It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening or watching, glad to be part of your morning, afternoon, or night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or day. Or tomorrow. We're, 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 we're glad you're with us, man. Special shout-out to uh, all of our new listeners on uh, Holyfield Television. We're glad to be part of uh, Holyfield TV's sports programming. And uh, just a special shout out to you guys. Drop us an email. We'd love to hear how we're doing on uh, Holyfield TV. Uh, And don't forget, uh, if you want to uh, watch or listen to our show uh, on your phone or your handheld or whatever, don't forget to download our app. You can get our app right now. By going to Fight TV, that's F-I-T-E dot TV slash Billy C. That's Fight dot TV slash Billy C. Download our app today. Speaking of today, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant. Located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Uh, Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's. I'm going to be going in a couple of weeks uh, to get a, a good Italian meal. Uh, believe it or not, uh, I got to go pretty far. But uh, he makes uh, the best Italian cuisine, especially uh, for all you WGIG listeners uh, in Brunswick. If you haven't checked out uh, Sal's, you're missing the boat, man. Take the five-minute drive uh, onto St. Simon's Island. And uh, check it out. Uh, Sal's is right off of Frederica Drive. Visit the website for the address, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by FireFan. Hey, you like sports fantasy games? How about a a unique approach to any sport? There's ways to uh, make some money, and it doesn't cost you nothing as long as you log in uh, and create an account through us. Uh, just go to our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on uh, the FireFan banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by GawkBox. What is it? Well, it can save you money, plus get you stuff for free and help us out. So what's better than that? Two-way street. Go create your account right now for free. Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the GawkBox banner. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by... My book, Tom Molino, From Bondage 
The Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can literally get a copy of it right now while you're watching or listening to this show by going to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you want to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. I'll hook you up. Just visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and I'll click on the book, which you can't miss because it's right there all over the page. Don't forget uh, to uh, uh, put in the... Uh, well, how you want it inscribed uh, under the comment section. But uh, anyway, coming up later uh, on the show, we got Boxing Hall of Famer uh, Larry Hazard uh, scheduled to join us uh, in about a uh, half hour. Um, you know, today today my main topic, I, I got some emails to read and uh, we got some news coming up. And uh, But today there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things going on and we've been talking about Several issues, like uh, the other day we were talking about too many hall of, Halls of Fame. Uh, we were talking about what we are going to talk about today. Um, you know, uh, different uh, weight, uh, you know, uh, day, same day in, uh, same weigh-in, same day weigh-ins, um, you know, the benefits of, of those. And, and, you know, we had talked about that in the past, and I got some updates on that, but you know, one of, one of the topics, big fight this weekend, uh, several decent-sized fights. But I couldn't help but notice that the Terrence Crawford uh, against uh, uh, Felix Diaz fight, and, and also you got Gary Russell Jr. against Oscar Escondon and uh, a couple others. But uh, those two fights specifically, you know, I couldn't help but notice how one-sided they are if you go to the sports books. And you start looking at these fights, and these are these are championship fights. These are world title fights, and the odds makers have them so completely one sided. It's really got me wondering: are, are, are fights? I mean, especially title fights, they just don't seem competitive anymore. You know, yes, we got a great fight a couple of weeks ago with Anthony Joshua against Klitschko, um, but uh, but you know they're far and few in between for the most part. We got these fights that we're expected to watch that aren't even close to being competitive. You know, when I take a look at the uh, Terrence Crawford fight, who, who's a fighter I absolutely love to watch, and he's in there with a guy who earned his shot based on, uh, you know, the sanctioning bodies and what have you and Felix Diaz. My question really today is, does Felix Diaz even have a chance? Uh, when you look at, uh, uh, you know, Oscar, Oscar Escondon fighting Gary Russell, he hundred to one odds that he you know that he wins. Does he have a chance? Joining me right now from uh, Saint Simon's Island uh, is the uh, man, the myth, the legend himself, a New Jersey Boxing Hall of Famer. Uh, he's a Guinness Book of World Record holder, and he can uh, hand make you a coffee mug like you wouldn't believe. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, childrens of all ages, please welcome the one, the only, Sal. Rocky, Senecola. Good morning, Sal. And good morning to you, Bill. How are you? Oh, not too bad, my man. Not too bad. Uh, you know, Sal, I, I can't help but but get a little depressed. I mean, you know, this year, like we were talking the other uh, day off air, I mean, the year's half over already. But um, and, and we have been treated with some decent fights. I mean, there's no question about it. But, you know, I'm looking at the fights this weekend. Terrence Crawford, for example, is fighting... Uh, uh, Felix Diaz, both his titles, uh, Terrence Crawford's titles, WBO and WBC, uh, are on the uh, line uh, against Felix Diaz. And the odds makers uh, currently have 
uh, Crawford as a 25 to 1 favorite in this fight. My question to you, do you think Felix Diaz has a chance at all in this fight? I mean, how accurate are these odds makers? And, and as a promoter, I mean, or even a television network, how are you supposed to bamboozle the fan base to try to make them think that this fight uh, is going to be competitive? Or, or you know, if, if we supersede all of those questions and we say this, our fights today, whether they're championship fights, whether they're just a regular fight, whether it's an elimination fight, whatever, are they all just showcases, Sal? That's a big question, and I'll tell you what. You have some validity behind what you're, I guess, uh, getting at. And uh, uh, when you see a fight with the, these kinds of odds, uh, you know, I, I'm one to believe at all times in any scenario or any situation on any given night, a fighter can be beat. Uh, it, it's like the old, uh, this ain't your night, this ain't my night. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it happens. It happens. Is the likelihood of this happening with this Terrence Crawford fight? No. That's why the odds are so stacked against his opponent. Um, all I could say is, uh, let's see what happens. And, um, you know, they, they tend to look like this is going to be a showcase for Terrence Crawford. And for whatever the powers may be, it probably is. So he can be leveraged to fight somebody else that's uh, going to be a big drawer. And that's also going to elongate his uh, reign uh, up there. So, you know, it, it's sometimes out of the fighter's hands, sometimes out of the momentum of where the, 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 the stage of boxing is elevating or trying to move forward and become. Uh, it, it, it's a shame because, like I said, Billy, you and I talked hundreds of times off the air. What would we do different in today's uh, boxing world? Um, and, you know, yesterday I did that, you know, I wrote down, you know, some of the things that I wish we could do or wish we could see that, that, that might help in some of the steps, but, uh, it's, it's many times it's the greed factor. It's the need factor. And it's the factor that, you know, we are going to see the best fights possible in, 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 in not, not our agenda, but when the promoters and the match managers and the matchmakers and fighters want to make it happen. And uh, so when I say in that phrase, we may not get the best fights that are potentially out there. We may get them uh, after the fact. We may get them at some other time. But, you know, it's, it's the game has become uh, bigger than what most people can comprehend and do. Well, it's uh, <laughs> it's as a result of all this. Oh, your mandatory is this one. Your mandatory is that one. And and you know, the end of the, at the end of the day, uh, the sanctioning bodies are cashing in. You know, oh, I mean, are. if you look at the big fights this weekend, Terence Crawford against uh, Felix Diaz. Crawford's a twenty-five to one favorite. This this was as of last night with the uh, with the sports books. Twenty-five to one. To me, wow. that's not a close fight. Gary Russell Jr. Uh, going up against Oscar Escondon is a 100 to 1 favorite. I mean, obviously, they're not giving Escondon much of a chance there. Um, that um, the, co the co main event in that fight in the middleweight division, Andre Durrell against Jose Uzogai, uh, that's for an interim belt, and that's a 16 to 1 as uh, Durrell is the favorite. Well, when you look at the fight that's taking place over in England, now, Liam Walsh is home in the uk 
And Javante Davis uh, really had one good fight in his career in terms of a, a, a decent opponent. That was his last fight that he won the title. Uh, he's a four to one favorite, so that fight's somewhat closer. And then the the closest fight of the major fights this weekend is uh, taking place in Japan, when uh, Royota Murata uh, is a three to one favorite to take uh, Hassam Nadam's uh, WBA uh, uh, middleweight title away. Now remember. It's the regular middleweight title. Um, he used to be an interim title holder. Daniel Jacobs was the regular title holder. He lost that title to Triple G, who already was the super, uh, the WBA super uh, middleweight uh, uh, or middleweight super title, however you call it. And then they elevated Hassam Nadam from interim to regular. So, I mean, you know, the WBA uh, playing games with us, but... When you look at these fights, that fight, the uh, Hassam Nadam Royota Murata and the Javante Davis are the closest ones in terms of the odds books. But when I take a look at the Terrence Crawford, which, you know, is a fight that most of us are going to see, Terrence Crawford against uh, 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 Felix Diaz, you know, I, I, I don't know how competitive this fight's going to be. Yeah, I mean, Diaz um, is got a couple of things going for him. Um, you know, he's a bigger <laughs> fighter. He's a, uh, in terms of weight, he he's ranked at number sixteen in the welterweight division. Now this fight is being uh, fought at the junior welterweight division. Okay. Um, but you know he really his biggest uh, fight, his biggest name on his opponent, uh, or his biggest name on his resume, I should say, really was Lamont Peterson, in which he lost that fight. It was a controversial ma majority decision, right. but he does have wins over Emmanuel Larte, uh, Adrian Granados. Uh, Sammy uh, Vasquez and Gabe uh, Brasario. Th those are all, in my opinion, his biggest wins. But does he really have a chance against uh, Terrence Crawford, who's got uh, four years? He's four years younger. He's ranked at number one in this division. Uh, he's got a, a three-inch uh, height and three-inch reach advantage. Plus, when you take a look at Terrence Crawford's uh, resume, Sal, I mean, you could make a case that really for the last three or four years, he's fought nothing but uh, the best competition. I mean, uh, does Felix Diaz have a chance? Well, that's why the odds are where they are. It looks like on paper, no, he doesn't. But like I said, paper doesn't know what's going to happen the night these guys enter the ring and what's in their heart, what's in their mind, who's not feeling right about this, that, and everything else. It, there's a lot that goes into it. But, you know, on paper, black and white, Terrence Crawford should roll over this guy. Yeah, well, he should. Let's hold that thought. Uh, we are going to take uh, a short little break. We're going to take a short little break. And <laughs> then uh, break. when we come back, we'll finish that up. Uh, we got some other things to talk about. We got Larry Hazard joining us a little bit. All of that is coming up in about two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And uh, we're back. You're listening and watching 
Billy C. Show. Glad uh, to be with you today. Don't forget about getting a copy of my book. That's right. Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can literally get a copy of it while you're watching this show. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com and pick up a copy today. You want a signed copy, just go to our website. I'm here with uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, um, you know, when I take a look at this real quick... uh, and I see Terrence Crawford, you know, arguably his last, you know, if first of all, when I look at Crawford, you go back to 2013, he fought Breedis Prescott. He was actually brought in as the opponent in that fight, and he won. And then they figure, okay, maybe he got lucky. And uh, uh, Alejandro Santabria uh, needed a, a win. And uh, what do they do? They bring uh, Terrence Crawford in. He was an opponent for that one as well, and he stops uh, Santabria. Uh, Andre Kilimov was a major uh, player in the division in 2013. Now, we're talking about the lightweight division at that time. Undefeated, 16-0. They bring uh, Crawford in as an opponent again, and uh, he wins that fight, right? So he earns himself a shot at a world title, the WBO World Lightweight title against Ricky Burns. He was the opponent in that fight, and he wins and uh, wins the title, beats uh, Ricky Burns, and people finally realize, wait a minute. I think we got something here with this Terrence Crawford, yeah. and he becomes uh, the A-side and finishes uh, between then, when he won that title against Ricky Burns, he beat Gamboa, Ramondo Beltran. Uh, he went uh, up in weight for Thomas DeLorme for the uh, uh, junior uh, welterweight title, Derry Jean, uh, Hen- uh, Hammer and Hank Lundy in the big fight uh, last year in, in July, Victor Postal uh, won a decision against him, and in his last fight, uh, against John John Molina Jr. Uh, I mean, this guy has fought some some pretty tough opposition, Sal. And, uh, you know, when I look at Diaz, I, no disrespect to him, but, you know, Diaz is, is he is a southpaw. He's 33 years old. And his biggest wins on his resume, uh, really, uh, like I said, Emmanuel Larte, uh, Granados, um, you know, Brasario and Sammy Vac- Vasquez, Lamont Peterson, you could argue that he, you know, he got robbed. But uh, but I I think the odds makers are right. What do you think? Well, I think it, it looks like that it's going to be a one-sided fight. It looks like, uh, you know, you definitely have the talent, the skill, the ability in Terrence Crawford. And, you know, my, it, I'm not going to say it's going to be a mismatch. I'm going to say that uh, it's all looking like it should be leveraged for Terrence Crawford to be dominant throughout the course of this fight and uh only only we could see when they step into the ring of battle and uh when that bell rings we'll see what comes out and uh uh but black and white on paper terrence crawford should roll over this guy you know the the the, the thing that bothers me is that you know everything's become we've been doing this show now 14 years and, um, you know, you go back in the archives and you see a lot of times where, you know, uh, my complaints have been too many showcase fights. You know, uh, you go to a specific network and all you're seeing is one side. I mean, you could argue up until uh, really this year that the PBC was nothing more than a showcase uh, for their fighters. Uh, that's obviously changed this year but uh, and the end of last year. So let's give credit where credit's due. But. You know, a lot of times these big fights, so-called championship fights, you know, so-called premium channel big-time fights, you know, when they're on uh, HBO or Showtime, uh, even even pay-per-views, you know. We just recently saw that with Canelo Alvarez against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I mean, it was a showcase fight. It, what, they weren't even competitive, you know, yeah. and uh, I think it's a shame. I, I think, 
you know, I think that the boxing fan can accept showcase fights until, you know, it's on a major network or a cable network or a pay-per-view or a title even. Even though we got a plethora of titles, um, I, I do believe that the, the boxing fan deserves competitive fights. What do you think? Well, of course they do. I mean, that's what we definitely want to see. And, you know, we want to see the, the best of the best, you know, fight each other. Does it have to be a war? Does it have to be a drag out? Have to be? No, it does not have to be that every time. But in between, you know, definitely uh, keep the level of, of uh, excitement and, and that uh, anticipation of, of seeing a showdown is going to be out there. That's why they have some elimination fights. That's why they have some of these showcase fights. But, uh, you know, at this stage of, of one's career, you, you would look and you would hope that uh, they'd be fighting the equal or better or in the ballpark uh, kind of skilled opponent that uh, that's in front of them. But um, not always the case, Billy C. We got uh, another issue I wanted to bring up before we uh, go to break and kick you to the curb for a little bit. Uh um, but, uh, you know, there was a fight that was scheduled uh, for uh, uh, this weekend in California. And the main event, Giovanni Santillan, uh, or Santillian, I should say, uh, was supposed to be the main event. Uh, and uh, apparently uh, he was uh, scheduled to fight Juan Garcia Mendez uh, for some title or whatever. Not a world title, but... Um, the fight was supposed to be contended at the same division that Terrence Croft is fighting in junior welterweight, 140 pounds. And uh, Giovanni uh, uh, Santillian was having such a hard time making weight that dehydration um, basically pulled him out of the fight. The doctor said, this guy's not going to be uh, able to fight. Uh, you know, I, uh, again, I, I can't help but think of two things, Sal. One, same-day weigh-ins would kind of eliminate this. And the reason why I say it is it would force fighters to fight in their natural weight class. In other words, their natural weights boxing class. You know, and uh, um, I, I think that too many fighters today are trying to, 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 you know, be big for their fights. In other words, fight uh, outside of their natural weight, you know, torture themselves to get down just to make weight. And then with the, you know, game plan and, and strategy that, they're going to be bigger uh, come fight night. I think if they made same-day weigh-ins, we would eliminate these kinds of problems. What do you think? Billy, you know, that's what I, I, I'm an advocate for that at, uh, all the time. I mean, you know, I'll tell you what. You look back at one of my last fights in the 80s. You know, I fought the number one ranked contender in the world. The winner of our fight was supposed to fight Pernell Whitaker. And that's a fight one day I could talk to you about. It. I don't know if we can go on there and say everything that was behind that fight, but you do know the story um, of what the mechanics and what was going on behind the scenes of that fight. But the bottom line is we had the next day, we had the day before weigh-ins. And you tell me Louis Lamelli as a lightweight. He, the guy's a middleweight, if anything. I mean, this guy blows up how, how big he was the night of that fight. And you know what? That was the first time in my life on that fight alone um, that they implemented the uh, this day before weigh-in. And I, I was definitely not a big fan of it. And I think the same day weigh-ins, you know, come on. This has been going on in boxing for generations and for decades. Why do they think they're going to give a guy 24 hours or actually 36 hours or whatever it might be to replenish and rehydrate and do everything else? You know what? 
fight the fight the same night that you get weighed in the day before, I mean the night, the, the morning of, you know what, you, you still have enough time to put a bottle of Gatorade to uh, eat a little pasta for carbohydrates, have a little protein, and not come in the ring like a Gavoni, but uh, you could actually, you know, feel better and rehydrate and do, do what you got to do and not be uh, a, a 24 hours later a 20-pound heavier fighter which some, some of these guys are. And, and that's not healthy either for them. Let's look at the other side of the coin. All right, you got the same heart, beating the same, uh, and, and pumping that same blood through all the, 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 the mass. And, and all of a sudden you're shocking it. You're 25, 25 pounds heavier than, and going to exert yourself. You know, there could be a case and argument for that too. You know, who knows? But I think the same day weigh-ins, you get on the scale, you get off the scale, drink your Gatorade, have a banana, have a bowl of pasta, whatever you got to do. And you know what? You should come into the to the ring that night, maybe five, ten pounds heavier tops, tops. And that's it. What happens with the day before weigh-ins, not only is it uh, a safety issue like right. we're seeing here, but you got certain individuals, their bodies can are more conducive to losing weight, uh, water weight or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then putting it back on. So they're trying to get an edge. I get it. I understand. Um, but I think that everyone tries to gain that edge. And, you know, you're putting yourself in, in danger. I, I think I would. And then then when we're watching a fight, you know, a welterweight fight and come fight night, the guys are weighing 175 pounds. You know, you got light heavyweights in there, you know, and, and it just it it just, you know, ruins the weight class. You know, why have weight classes then? You know, and why do we need so many? You know, I mean, we, you know, if you're going to have. Uh, if if fighters are going to do this, then we should go back to the eight uh, weight classes because that'll make it uh, even more even. By having same day weigh-ins, uh, you know, I have the weigh-in in the morning or whatever. I know it's not as easy for the media and the television networks, but you know, I, I think what we need is to start thinking about the safety of the fighters. Number one and number two, having realistic weight classes. A welterweight, you know, 147 pound fighter. Uh, should be walking around at, at about 150, 153. I mean, technically, you know, and, and you know, you stop eating the night before, you get on the scale, you weigh 147, like you said, you know, you hydrate up, you have a good meal, and you're back to that 153, 154 pounds. Uh, that's the max. But some of these guys are, are, are messing around with over 10 pounds at a time, you know, and uh, – it's dangerous, and and at the end result, the end result is that we don't have true weight classes. And then, to top it all off, you're dealing with uh, non-competitive fights. You you know you're making guys that don't even have a chance physically, and and talent level wise, and they're still all going through this. Now in the Diaz, uh, Felix Diaz, and and Terence Crawford issue, I mean, uh, you know Diaz, uh, most of his career was fighting in bigger guys anyway. You know, but. Uh, but still, I, I don't know, man. You know, if, if safety's such a concern, like everybody says, instead of just saying it, why don't you make, uh, make some moves towards it, right? Well, exactly, exactly. And, and like we were saying, you know, the, a fighter, I mean, we, as far back as the amateurs, when I was 16, uh, uh, going to the Golden Gloves and, and, and winning the Golden Gloves, you know, you, 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 you 24 hours before the weigh-ins. And as an amateur, we'd weigh in sometimes uh, uh, two hours before the fight. <laughs> but that's amateur. All right. The, uh, the other thing is, yeah, the morning of is, is, is more likely when a good weigh-in should be. And, you know, usually 24 hours you have a process they call dry out. 
What does that mean? You don't consume any liquid. You don't consume anything. You can suck on an ice cube. You can spit it out. You can do whatever you got to do, but you do not drink. So if you're 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 uh, five o'clock the next night, the day before the fight, you stop drinking. You stop doing everything else. You know, yeah. And and you will drop six to eight pounds, and you'll be able to get on a scale the next morning, and you're you're because you're going to sleep off a pound, uh, whatever it is. It's all calculated. You could do it. And then, you know, then you rehydrate yourself. But you're not going to come in 25 pounds heavier. You're going to come in maybe the same weight or five or six pounds heavier. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's the same thing. They have these stupid weight classes every five-pound increments. It's ridiculous. All right? And then they have these catch weights in between. I, I, I tell you, you want to know what's wrong? Okay. Let, let, let's point out one day about all the things that they've done to this game to, to tear apart – the integrity or the the mystique of what boxing truly is. They've made it easier. They've raised the they they've lowered the benchmark to accommodate more and more belts, more and more weight class, more and more of what boxing is not about. That's it. Too many belts. Too many belts. Too, too many weight classes. Too many weight classes. Get about it. Too many sanctioning bodies. Too many. Too, too many, many. Too many too claws many. in the cash cow. Forget too many. Too many. Everything except for one thing. Every, there's too many of everything. Too many promoters. Too many networks. Too yeah. many. Too many uh, uh, sanctioning bodies. Uh, weight classes, etc., etc. You know. You know what? There's not enough of. What fighters. I mean, you have you have all of this stuff and the lesser number of actual fighters in the fight game today. If you go back, I, I you know, I'm going to pull a sal. I'm going to promote somebody for nothing here. But uh, Mike Silver wrote a book called uh, The Rise, The Arc of, what was it? It was called uh, The Rise and Fall of the Sweet Science or, or uh, The Arc of Boxing, The Sweet Science. I forget the name of it. But basically what he does is he points out statistically why boxing was better years ago. And the the most alarming statistic was the amount of fighters that were licensed and the amount of fights that actually took place. But uh, anyway, hey, Sal, we're going to uh, let you go for a little bit, and we'll be back to you uh, in a little while, all right? I look forward to it. And one day we're going to have a six-point discussion of what you and I could do uh as far as getting boxing back on track I'll tell you That's what you can do point. buddy i'll tell you what you can <laughs> do later you know what i mean but uh Absolutely. we'll we'll talk to you in a little bit my man take care buddy we'll see you later that's Thanks. sal rocky senacola and uh we're gonna take uh, a short break and when we come back uh we're scheduled to have uh larry hazard join us so uh uh don't go anywhere uh because uh we will uh be back here uh i'm gonna say uh, probably uh, in in ah, like normal time. What do you think? Maybe uh, maybe two minutes or so. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Uh, we'll be back uh, uh, in two. All right. So uh, don't uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway, and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin, acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal, and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214, because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free. 
and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Glad uh, you guys are with us today. Yeah. Special shout out uh, to all of our uh, new viewers on Holyfield TV. Uh, we're glad to be part of uh, Holyfield TV's sports programming. And uh, like we uh, always say, give us a shout, man. We want to hear from you. Drop us an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N. B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. Well, joining us right now, he's a Boxing Hall of Famer and the New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, my main man, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Bill. How you doing? Oh, How not doing, too buddy? Not too bad, my man. Not too bad. Uh, uh, we got a couple of fights scheduled for this weekend, and, and some things are going on, and I, I got to get your thoughts. First and foremost... You know, we have been treated so far this year with some decent fights and some not-so-decent fights. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, the the one fight that sticks in my head already is obviously the uh, Anthony Joshua-Klitschko fight, which really uh, jacked us all up. You know, we're, we're all psyched about that. And we did get a stinker uh, with uh, uh, Chavez Jr. Uh, I don't know what he was trying to do against Canelo, but... Um, but this weekend we got a couple of fights and, and I, I just happened to start looking at the lines and, and what the odds makers see. And, and, you know, I see Terrence Crawford's a 25 to one favorite over, uh, Felix Diaz, Gary Russell Jr. Is fighting Oscar Escondon, hundred to one favorite, uh, Andre Durrell, 16 to one favorite, um, uh, uh, over, uh, uh, guy, uh, Jose Uzugai. Uh, and so a couple of other fights that are a little closer, Javonta Davis, uh, four to one favorite over Leon Walsh. But my point is, is, you know, we have all of these sanctioning bodies, Larry. We have all of these weight classes. We have all of these, uh, you know, networks. And uh, the end of the story is we're still getting showcase fights shoved down our throats. I mean, Fights sometimes just don't seem like they're competitive by by plan. You know, like sometimes we get a competitive fight by accident. But uh, what's your thoughts with these with these one sided fights or appearing to be one sided fights? Well, I don't. I've never I've never understood how some of these guys could even have the audacity to get in the ring uh, and how they got there. You know, you have the you have a Terrence Crawford, and you have Devonta Davis and some of these other fighters who we know are very good fighters. And then when you look at 
sometimes the opponents who get a chance to fight for the title. It makes you wonder how it happened. I don't think it's uh, going to be very difficult for anyone to determine the outcome of uh, most of these bouts that are scheduled this weekend. You know, I hope. I'm I'm hoping for some surprises because that will at least uh, maintain a sense of legitimacy in the event. But with some of these odds, you know, that's not likely to happen. So I, 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 I don't know. You know, the proliferation of these sanctioning organizations who actually now have to look for fighters to fight for their belts and the standards are lowered because there are so many, and so it it becomes a matter of business, you know. And I think that that's a that's not a good thing for the sport of boxing. But until something is done about it, we're going to constantly see it, and it's going to continue on for you know who knows how long, you know. Hopefully, somewhere along the way, you know, we'll see some change. But I I don't see that in the very near future. No, well. It, it... You know, I, I I remember a couple of weeks ago we were you and I was so excited because we disagreed on who was going to win the fight and we're like, oh, that means it's competitive. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and and you know it's far and few in between. And and you're right, you know, there's so many sanctions. We were just talking before. There's so many sanctioning bodies. There's so many different weight classes. You know, and, and we had um uh, we had Mauricio Suleiman on uh, the show uh, last week. And, you know, I, I, I asked them some uh, decent questions, and one of them was about along the lines. You know, you got to be careful with these guys. Otherwise, you know, they'll never come back on. But, um, you know, and one of them was exactly that. And, and he was honest when he said, well, you know, when we have to approve a fight, because I said, basically, I threw at him, Larry, what we always talk about, the old school. You're an amateur. You turn pro. You work yourself as into a prospect category, then from prospect to a contender, then you climb the contention ladder up until you're number one, and you get a shot at a title. That's that's the dream way of the way boxing should be, and it's the way it used to be. And he says to me, basically, that he agrees, but unfortunately, because of all the sanctioning bodies, you got a guy that uh, you know is supposed to fight. Now he's talking about a champion. You got a champion that's supposed to fight the number one guy. He doesn't want that fight. So if you don't approve him fighting number eight or number nine or even number 12, then they go and fight uh, another sanction, you know, go fight for another sanctioning body. So really, to keep everybody happy, they're, they're basically letting, the, uh, you know, the prisoners run the jail, you know, and, and the end result is, is what we have. I mean, I'm okay with showcase fights, but when you make it to a cable network or you make it to a pay-per-view event, or you make it to any kind of a title, even though we have so many titles now, um, I think that they need to be competitive fights. I agree with you 100%. You know, because you know I've been saying for quite some time that there really there's rarely a real legitimate pay-per-view um, event today. I mean, and, and maybe, maybe I'm a little, a little too old school, but that's what boxing is, man. Boxing is old school. And uh, the only uh, reference point that we have 
is maybe the decade before. You know, when we look at, we, we talk about this all the time. When we look at fighters today, we rarely, guys like you and I, I would say, or I'll speak for myself, guys like me, I rarely compare fighters today, the so-called good ones, because the word great I do not use today. The good ones, I don't compare them with other good ones of today. I usually compare the good ones today with the great ones or the good ones from the decade past. This is this is the reference point, and this is my measuring rod for the so-called good fighters today. It's very rare that you can really compare fighters today against fighters today and come away with some semblance of how good that fighter is because it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. The talent is not there. The talent pool is not there. And that's because I think there are so many sanctioning organizations at that upper level that, you know, you, you get this whole population of fighters in there who are nothing but preliminary. Many of them are nothing but preliminary fighters. You know, these guys are not champions. They haven't earned anything. They haven't even fought, you know, they haven't even fought any caliber of competition that can can justify their positions in the rankings for the most part. You know, now Suleiman can come on there and say whatever he wants, you know, about fighters going to other sanctioning organizations. Well, why don't the sanctioning organizations all get together and say, hey, let's put a stop to some of this, you know what I mean, and this is what we're going to do, you know. You know, that part is always left out. You know, so I, I don't know where it's going to end, Billy. But like you say, we go on a high. A week or so ago, you and I were respectfully disagreeing with one another on, you know, our take on some of these fights. And we felt so good about it because why? We felt good about it because this is the way it used to be. When you couldn't predict and you can respectfully disagree with someone who else someone else who's a you know a fight fan or the guys in the barbershop or the guy you know guys just talking you understand you could respectfully disagree with them because that was the level of competition that was out there and then everybody could you know prepare for a real competitive fight you know you rarely can do that today you know and so we thought we were going in that direction again, and what do they do? They lower the boom on us, you know, with what we see coming this weekend. So I don't know where it's going to end. Well, you know, it's hard. Uh, the, the sanctioning body, you're right, the sanctioning bodies, they have it in their hands, you know. And, and like I was saying to Mauricio um, Suleiman the other day, I, ha I had put together a whole plan of how I could create a league, a professional league of boxing, that would not interfere with the four major sanctioning bodies. They would still maintain their champions and, and sanctioning fees and everything else. <clears throat> and you would end up crowning a, a, a yearly champion uh, in each division. And, you know, it, it could work. The only thing you need is uh, everybody willing to do it. And then 
you know that that falls into a whole nother a whole nother issue you know you got uh champions that would have to fight you know the super six tournament we had several years ago was great but what we learned from it and what the fighters and the managers and the promoters learned was like wait a minute this is risky you know and and that's why those tournaments have kind of fizzled out you know they're they're, they're too much risk for these guys and um you know I, we've been talking lately about championship belts it's like the kids playing uh, t-ball. It's it's precipitation belts now. Just if you get into the sport and you get a federal ID card, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a belt with it, you know. And uh, it's it's uh, it's a shame. But I, I got an issue that um, is right up your alley. Um, and and again, it goes to something that we've talked about um, frequently and and in depth, but. Uh, there was a fight that uh, was supposed to take place this weekend out in California. Giovanni uh, uh, Santillian was uh, supposed to uh, take on Juan Garcia Mendez for, for some BS title. Um, and uh, uh, they're junior welterweights. Now, what happened was um, yesterday, uh, Giovanni uh, Santillian uh, failed to make weight. Uh, he had some doctors looking at him in the bottom line. And not that he had a, you know, they were just doing some checkup weigh-ins to see if he was going to come close to making weight over the weekend. And he was dehydrated. He was already dehydrated and, uh, you know, passed out and everything else. And the doctor says, well, he can't fight. He's, he's dehydrated, which brought me to the, the issue of, you know, too many fighters today, Larry, are fighting outside their weight class. And, and do you think that it's, it's a result of the day before weigh-ins or the fact that, you know, everybody's trying to get the edge uh, by being bigger than their opponents. So, uh, you know, people that have the bodies that could actually dehydrate uh, and get down 15 pounds for a weigh-in and then all of a sudden, you know, be in the ring 20 pounds, 15 pounds heavier. I, I mean, and at the end of the day, we, we, we got guys that are fighting as welterweights. They're classified as a welterweight, but fight night, they're super middleweights, you know, and uh um, don't you think that by having same day weigh-ins might, you know, uh, maybe shut this down? And and the worst thing about it is all the weight classes. If if they were going to have the the day before weigh-ins and fighters are going to dehydrate, then we don't need all the weight classes. We could go back to eight. What, what's your thoughts on all of that? Well, first off, you have to sometimes take a look at the history of things. Okay, the history of weigh-in. Now, you know as long you know as well as I know that for decades I mean I'm going back to the days of the great fighters. I mean from the beginning of boxing. They came with the weigh in. The weigh in was the day of the fight. So here we are decades later and you might ask the question, Well, how did we get to where we are? Well, you've heard me say it before. You remember something that happened in Las Vegas, Nevada, several years ago. A fighter named Dooku Kim fought a fellow by the name of Ray Boom Boom Mancini. And make a long story short, Kim ended up dying as a result of that fight. And so what happened? Word got out that Kim was out on Las Vegas Boulevard the, the day of the fight or whenever, okay, with a rubber suit on running, trying to lose weight to make weight. So a doctor in Nevada named Flip Hermansky came up with the idea or whether it was based on medical science or whatever that there was a dehydration issue, the brain, 
you know, he couldn't rehydrate in time, etc. All this other BS that went with it, okay? So all of a sudden, all of the sanctioning organizations, all of the, the caretakers of boxing, okay, decided they were going to fix something that really was never broke in the first place. So we're going to change the weigh-ins now to 24 hours before or the night before. They actually used to have a time um, uh, allotment. It was 7 o'clock in most jurisdictions the day before, the night before, okay? That's how we got to all of this mess. And you've heard me say time and time again that the caretakers in boxing and however they got there somehow have this thing about looking for things to break so that they can take credit for fixing there was n never anything wrong with having same-day weigh-ins for, for decades, okay? When did the problems all start? When you changed it. When you went, around, when you went and started tinkering with something that wasn't even broke in the first place, okay? The same thing that happened during that time, we went from 15-round championship fights to 12 rounds because some... Some smart person said, well, 15 rounds is too much. Well, really? 15 rounds, you know, the last, that, they, those were always the championship rounds from 12 to 15 for decades, all during the reign of the great fighters. It was 15 rounds. Right, well, we know at one time, you know, fighters fought for 40, 50 rounds, but we don't need to go to that extreme. Same day weigh-ins in my opinion, is the way to go to clear up all of this mess. You understand? Fighter comes in the morning of, you know, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. They weigh in, okay? And then they still got most of the day to rehydrate, take some of the, you know, drink some of these fluids that they have or whatever, you know, to get themselves back to stabilization, and you go on with the fight. And I'm, I, I guarantee you, that you won't see these problems like you see them today. No, and and the thing is, is they may have to, uh, you know, stop eating the night before the weigh-in, but they can't get too crazy because, you know, I, they'll be too weak for the fight. By giving them that extra 24 hours, and like in this case with, with uh, this fighter from that was scheduled to fight this weekend, he obviously was having trouble making weight, so he started that dehydration and suffering earlier you know um with the hopes that he would have a full 24 hours to to get back in in fighting condition and obviously his body failed him you know and uh it, yeah. it's a shame it's a shame and uh you it, know in a it, lot it's of it's a shame too billy but you know especially at the championship level when guys are really getting up there hey look these are modern times now you know um you know they 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 need to employ Dietitians, people who who know about diet, people you, you understand conditioning uh, experts. You know there are plenty of them out there. Okay, this is if if this is a professional sport, this is what you need. Most of your professional uh, athletes, other other sports, baseball, football, they you know they have dietitians, they have weight trainers, they have people who know about weight. Uh, gain weight loss and how to control it you know 
this is the way to go. But this nonsense that's going on now with with, with uh, weigh-ins taking place two and three days before uh, the event, they, they had um, uh, some of the, the crazy stuff that goes on in the MMA with weights is really really off the hook. But, you know, my my opinion is that we should go back to the day of, morning of weigh-ins, and you will see many of these crazy problems diminish. Oh, I, I agree. And uh, that's something that could uh, possibly go back. Uh, one last thing, and, and we, we got a few minutes only here, but one last thing, and, and I, let, let me start off by saying no disrespect to you, Larry, because you happen to be part of a lot of these. But, uh, you know, I think that, you know, just like we talk about uh, championship belts diluting champions and and the way we, we, we value these belts, it's starting to happen with Halls of Fame. Now, of course, in boxing, the International Boxing Hall of Fame is, is the main one. I know uh, you're part of that. You're part of New Jersey's Boxing Hall of Fame, and congratulations on the induction into the Atlantic City Hall of Fame. We got uh, Nevada Hall of Fame. We got Las Vegas Hall of Fame. We got all these Hall of Fames, right? Um, which are fine, and and I don't I don't mind uh, having each state have a Hall of Fame uh, for their specific sport to honor uh, you know athletes and uh, that have you know accomplished uh, above and beyond and and represent their states uh, or sports uh, accordingly. However, the Alabama Boxing Hall of Fame uh, just uh, started, and they had their inaugural class, and among the inductees was none other than Deontay Wilder. And, you know, they, they, they put a little, uh, you know, for his amateur career, they put him in. Now, you know, that kind of, that kind of bothered me, Larry. And, and the reason is I, Halls of Fame, whether people think there's too many of them or not, uh, should be after a, an athlete's career is over, especially for a participant. If it was somebody that was a, a, a ringside doctor or somebody else, different story, you know, because they go on well uh, beyond, uh, you know, an athlete's career. Um, Deontay Wilder's still still competing. It's almost like, you know, they're, they're already accepting that he won't accomplish what he says he's going to accomplish as a pro. I mean, what do they do? They add it to the plaque after he, uh, if he accomplishes what his goal is to unify all the titles and retire undefeated and do all these things he says he's going to do. Um, I, I just think that halls of fame for for the participants anyway have ha, <coughs> excuse me have to take place after their career is over. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you make a you make a very good point, Billy. Uh, for participants, you know, and and um, especially especially when a a competitor becomes a professional. Um, Someone of Deontay's caliber, I would I would think that they would love to wait until after, because he would more than likely certainly qualify, you know, after his career is over. But for him to be into going into a Hall of Fame for his amateur accomplishments, you know, like you say, then what are you going to do? Add his professional accomplishments after? I think that it would have been of greater service and of greater honor to him to just wait until his career was over. I would have, you know, would think that he would have even 
wanted, you know, to wait. But, you know, like you say, you know, Halls of Fame, Hall of Fame, they're great things. It's a great feeling for people to recognize your accomplishments, you know. But, um, you know, I, what can I say? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little hesitant on being too critical of, of those types of organizations because they're meant, they're meant to, do, to be good things. No, I, I, listen, I agree with that. My point in this case is that if, this, if it was the Alabama Amateur uh, Sports Hall of yeah, Fame or Amateur, yeah. then, then hey, you know, he's the, the, the most decorated yeah. amateur to come out of Alabama, you know. Um, but, you know, you got uh, Joe Lewis was inducted too. Uh, Evander Holyfield was born in Alabama. I mean, you could you could throw him in the mix. I mean, right. you know, right. I, these are guys that you know, you you gotta when you're a participant. You know, in this case, in yeah. boxing, when you're fighting, you wait till the career's over. You know, Deontay's. Uh, you know, uh, if he accomplishes half of what he says he's going to accomplish, he's still got several years ahead of him. I mean, it's almost like you're doing him a disservice. You know, you're. You're, you're capping him out, you know, and... Uh, that, that, that was my point. That yeah. was my point. Yeah, you, you know, know. And, and it's, it's a shame, like, you know. It kind of, it kind of, it, it kind of, my point, I wasn't, uh, my point about devaluing it, it's you, you're kind of closing the book on a guy that the book is still being read, you know. I mean, right. let's see how the ending goes, you know. I mean, you yeah, know. That, that, that was my point. It seems like, it seems like, you know, you... You're kind of like cutting him short, right? And to use the word amateur, you know, I. I but but you know, it almost also looks like, to, to you know, no disrespect to, to the Alabama Hall of Fame, but it also almost looks like, they they having trouble finding, people, you know, when you have to reach for somebody, you're reaching all the way to the top, on with your first uh, induction, you're going all the way to the top to get. The, the heavyweight champion and then you're putting him in under his amateur resume. I mean, it's it's kind of confusing. Well, you know, I, I think the underlying re- I, I, listen, I know what the underlying reason is. You know, if it wasn't for De- Deontay Wilder, no one would even think of Alabama as having any boxing. I mean, he was instrumental in bringing the commission there so he could fight there. You know, yeah. I get it. I understand. But again, these are all things that go on the plaque when he's done. You know, when he's done with his career, uh, you know, uh, he, he brought boxing to Alabama. He was the most decorated yeah. amateur. He was a world heavyweight champion. He retired with X record. You know, all of these things, uh, you know, so now, I mean, you, you can't induct him again. You can't have, you know, you can't say, <laughs> you know, you right. can't say after his career is over, hey, we know he got inducted in the inaugural class, but, you know, now that his, his pro career is over, we're going to induct him again. We're going to give him another plaque. You know, I mean, you can't do that. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It just seems very confusing to me. And, um, you know, it just seems like, uh they're just they were trying to find a way to honor him and they could have honored him very easily by having him as a special guest and future yeah. they could have even labeled him a a future Alabama Hall of Fame, boxing Hall of Famer you know what i mean i mean uh it just didn't make sense yeah. to me i was just curious what your thoughts were since you have a you know how to add an addition onto your house to add all your Hall of Fame uh, trophies in there you know but uh, uh i i don't know i don't know i just thought it was kind of strange yeah well, I agree. I agree. You know. 
I like the Atlantic oh. City. I I like the Atlantic City one. At first, I wasn't crazy about states having different uh, halls of fame, like when you know Nevada had one, and then all of a sudden they have the Las Vegas Hall of Fame, and New Jersey has a very successful Hall of Fame, and now they have the Atlantic City. But for boxing specifically. You know, you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, places that were instrumental in the history of the sport, like Atlantic City and, and Las Vegas. And, and if, you know, uh, not to give anybody ideas, but even New York City, you know, uh, uh, could eventually uh, branch off. But, uh, I mean, they, those are different stories. That's where the majority of these famous fights were held, you know. So it makes yeah. sense there. But uh, Alabama? <laughs> Joe Namath's from there. I mean, Joe Namath played for college there. Bear Bryant. I mean, uh, but we're not talking boxing, you know. But uh, anyway. Uh, hey, Larry, I, I appreciate your time, my man. And uh, uh, we'll be talking. Uh, I pretty much know who we're going to be talking about who won next week. But, uh, uh, hey, you never know. Like you said, maybe there'll be a competitive. You know, the fight I think is going to be more competitive than people think is the Javante Davis and Leon Walsh fight yeah. over in uh, the UK. I mean, let, yeah. let's let's face it, Javante Davis really has only fought one major fight, and it was his last one. So uh, he is he is in a tough fight, and he is traveling, and uh, uh, that one ought to be a good one. Yeah, that that I look forward to that one. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, no. hopefully, we'll be able to talk about one one of them next week, brother. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I mean, um, you know, our sport has been known for those types of surprises, so let's let's hope for one this weekend. I agree. I agree. Larry, thanks for your time, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, Billy. Take All right, care. take care, brother. That's uh. Boxing Hall of Famer uh, and New Jersey uh, Boxing Commissioner Larry Hazard. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, we'll get Sal back on, and uh, i got some other stuff to talk about, uh, including some listener emails uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we'll be back uh, in about uh, two minutes or so, I would think. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could join us. And I'm glad to see uh, your back, Sal. I'm sitting there uh, uh, watching. I'm like, well, he doesn't have his uh, camera on, you know. But uh, I, I forgot. I, I, I realized that you came in at the uh, last minute. So uh, uh, that's good. Hey, speaking of, uh, speaking of bad luck, <clears throat> not that we were, but. You know, <laughs> last night, last night I uh, decide that I want to, uh, you know, I I got a, I got a deck, you know, and, uh, you know, I we had the deck put on years ago, and I never really sealed it or anything, and it, it's in the sun, so it, it takes a beat, and it's, it's solid, it's not going anywhere, of course, but it was looking a little ratty, so I decide to, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, treat it, you know, with the, with the, with the sealer, right, so uh, I'm watching the weather, 
and the weather says it's going to be nice. As a matter of fact, it's going to get in the high 80s today and uh, as high as 90 tomorrow here in New York. And uh, no rain in sight till, till Sunday. Actually, there was a chance, a 30% chance of rain, I think, on Sunday. But no rain in sight. And the directions on the uh, sealer says, you know, it's got to be, uh, you know, from 40 degrees to 80 degrees. It can't be in direct sunlight. And it's got to be dry. You got to have it dry for at least, uh, you know, pre- preferably 48 hours. But, you know, no less than 30. So I said, hey. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So last night, the sun was down. I go out there. I roll this stuff on. I was proud of myself. Didn't make too much of a mess, you know. Uh, I do have a little golden tinge to me today on my hands from all the stain. This morning, I'm sitting there. You know, uh, I get up at 4 in the morning. So I was, you know, and you know, when you get to be my age, you get up and run to the bathroom a couple of times during the night. And, uh... I was tossing and a turning last night around uh, two in the morning, and all of a sudden it starts pouring. I'm like, can you believe it? You know. So this morning I'm looking at it, and it just looks like it's a wet. I, I can't win sometimes, Sal. What do you think? Hey, I, I, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> when it rains, it pours. There you go. There you go. Uh, hey, you remember Mike Lee, the guy from Subway, he, who who was also posing as a fighter. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, doing the yeah. Subway commercials. He's actually, I think he was a, a, a collegiate uh, champion. I'm pretty sure Notre Dame was the college he went yeah. to. But anyway, uh, he's 19-0 and 0 with 10 knockouts as a uh, light wow. heavyweight. And he's uh, finally coming back in the ring. He's a guy that really didn't need, uh, uh, you know, money from fighting. But uh, uh, June 23rd, he returns to the ring. And he's wow. uh, taken off... Uh, Taking on a, a guy that's uh, got a similar record. He's 19 and over 10 knockouts, and Aaron uh, Quattarucci is 10 1 and 1. So uh, we'll be looking for the return of uh, of Mike uh, Lee. Uh, so I know you're on the uh, edge of your seat for that one. I but, am, and I will look forward to seeing Mike Lee and uh, what he can do and how he looks in the ring. So we will see. Well, we got uh, we got some. Uh, uh, sports and some emails and stuff. So let's uh, let's get people caught up uh, on that, Sal. Uh, yes, first sir. and foremost, uh, in the uh, sports world, uh, in the NBA Finals, the uh, Warriors uh, are battling the Spurs for the uh, Western um, Division or the West Coast uh, representation of the NBA to play the East versus the West. And uh, the Warriors took a two-game-to-no lead over the San Antonio Spurs by beating a snot out of them last night, 136-100. to Over in the NHL, wow. the Nashville Predators beat the quack-quack Ducks 2-1, to and they lead that series 2-1. to So uh, we'll see what, uh, see what happens there. Now, we know in the NBA, the Eastern uh, Finals uh, are going to be between the Boston Celtics uh, and the uh, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. A lot of people are picking a rematch of last year's NBA Finals uh, between uh, uh, the Warriors and the Cavaliers, so we'll see what happens. Over in Major League Baseball, the Braves beat the Blue Jays 9-5. to The Tampa Bay Rays over the Indians 6-4. to The Nationals over the Pirates 8-4. to The Orioles and the Tigers, what a slugfest this was. 13 innings before the end was uh, uh, decided. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. 13-11, to 11, the Orioles beat the Tigers. Astros 
uh, 12 to 2 over the Marlins. Astros have the best record in baseball, Sal. 28 wins and 12 losses. Wow. Rangers beat the Phillies 5 to 1. Cubs over the uh, Reds 9 to 5. Rockies over the Twins 7 to 3. Red Sox over the Cardinals 6 to 3. Your boys, the Yankees beat the Royals 7 to 1. The Mets lost again, but I'm done with them. Uh, Diamondbacks 5, Mets 4. Angels and White Sox uh, took 11 innings to get a winner in that one, and the Angels came out on top 7 to 6. The A's over the Mariners 9 to 6. Brewers over the Padres 6 to 2. And the Giants upset the Dodgers uh, 2 to 1. So uh, that's what took place uh, in some other sports. Got some emails. You ready for some emails? Let's do it. Let's read them up. Jesse says, hey, Billy C. and Sal. I do believe the Connor versus Floyd fight will happen. But even if they agree with the fight, have they even checked with the commission if they will allow it? Shouldn't they be checking with the commission first? Um, He's got some other issues here. And Sal, I would think that they would have checked. You know, that's a great question. That's a great question. Because because I don't think that any commission would approve it. But I would agree that they would have to. you know, if it's a big fight like this, wouldn't you reach out to the commission first? I, I think that would have been the natural progression. Uh, you know, you're talking about a fight, but uh, maybe that's why they know something we don't know. I don't know. Maybe they have a, a some backdoor approach. Who knows? But, yes, you're right. And that is a great, great, great question because you would think that on that level that they would get pre-approved by a commission to say, hey, yes, we will sanction this bout and we will let it happen. But, uh, you know, that's, that's neither here or there. Well, there. well, you know, I, first of all, you know, I, I'm a, you know, I've, I've been a licensed promoter and I've promoted many fights. And uh, um, part of the procedure is to obtain a date. A, a, a commission won't even talk to you until you've obtained a date. Once you obtain the date and a location of the fight, and the date has to be approved by the commission, the location has to be approved by the commission, uh, and then all your fights have to be approved by the commission. So I could conceivably see how they didn't start the commission process if they don't even have an agreed upon fight yet, which is the or case. Right. Which is the case between uh, McGregor and uh, Mayweather. Uh, you know, according to uh, Dana White. Uh, president of USC, they have reached an agreement with McGregor as far because remember McGregor's part of the UFC, so he's got to right. conform to the UFC rules. So they've come up with uh, an agreement. Now it's up to the UFC uh, to cut a deal with Mayweather, which you know Dana White. Uh, no disrespect to him, but he's never had a deal with. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, negotiation process with with the group like uh, Floyd Mayweather, Team Mayweather, because uh, you know uh, they want everything. So I, I don't know, I don't know, but um, interesting. I don't know if the fight will happen. Anyway, I'm hoping it doesn't. I, I'm hoping it doesn't, unless it's an no. exhibition. If it's an exhibition, exhibition's fine. I'm all for it. Or or if Mayweather goes into MMA, that's fine. Well, that that Those I would love. Great. That I would love. There would be nothing more that I would love to see Mayweather on the canvas getting his face punched out by Conor McGregor. I would love every minute of it. As a matter of fact, I would record it and, and watch it every day, a uh, hundred times. Um, no one can stand him more than me. And and, and the, the, the thing is, is I think I dislike the human being. You know how like I talk negatively about Deontay Wilder's boxing career 
But as a human being, I, I like Deontay. Deontay's a guy I would like to hang with. You know, I mean, right, uh, right, right. Uh, you know, he would be a, a guy I would like to be seen with. You know, uh, as far as Floyd Mayweather, not, no way. You know, I, I mean, yeah, it's the reverse. I respect Floyd's accomplishments as a fighter. But as a human being, I think he's the scourge of the earth. Beating up women, beating up pimply-faced security guards, not taking time to, uh, you know, spend time with the fan base. I mean, he, he fleeces his fans. But uh, anyway, enough about me and Floyd. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, uh, Jesse says, I thought uh, Paribin was out boxing uh, and uh, Anvi. Uh, 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 I'm going to say Anvi. It's An Avni. Uh, is, is I think how you spell it. Avni Kutsia, uh seems to follow his opponents then doesn't cut him off he looks slow and throws his punches far away and slow a uh, very good boxer will knock him out you know this boils down to what uh, Sal and I say all the time Jess and that is that these fighters aren't getting the right uh, fights on the way up so they're not getting better and better I mean this is what you learn you know it, by fighting good competitive fights, Sal, earlier in your career, you 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 get educated how to fight like this. You know, a guy that's uh, you know a top contender or even a champion that doesn't know how to cut the ring off. I mean, wh what can you say to that? No, it, it shouldn't. He shouldn't be in that ring at that stage, not knowing how to cut off a ring and handle some things. And that's what you do in the amateurs. You get that experience. You know, uh, and, it reminds me. Um, you know, uh, I was at a wedding this weekend, and uh, uh, one of uh, uh, the best man was uh, making a speech, and it was his uh, Wait, brother. What do you mean one? How many best men did they have? <laughs> well, actually, there there was a backup best man, but that's a whole other story. But um, but uh, at this particular wedding, uh, the so best the man was the brother cool. of the, the the groom, and uh, he says uh, he stands up and does his little speech, and he says. You know, uh, and he looks at his brother and he's going, you know, when we were kids, we used to play basketball a lot and I beat your ass all the time, he says, you know. And uh, uh, he says, you know, you'd always get depressed and all of this. He says, and, you know, one day he goes in and, you know, uh, the groom was upset and uh, the mother of these two uh, yelled at the older son and said, you know, uh, why don't you ever let him win? Why can't you let him win once? And, and, uh, the best man responds, well, he won't get better if I let him win. And uh, it, he goes on to say that it was shortly after that that uh, the groom finally won and hasn't lost since, that he's just been beating his older brother. And I kind of chuckled to myself, Sal, because it's true in boxing too. Uh, just like sports, you know, if you're constantly playing the worst team, uh, you don't get a chance to get better. You you don't learn how to elevate your game. And it's not any different in boxing. If you're constantly fighting a heavy bag that doesn't hit back or doesn't challenge you, doesn't reach into your bag of tricks or even have you purchase another trick, um, you're never going to get better, right? That's 100% true. I mean, and that's the whole thing. You take what's a negative and you turn it into a positive. And that's why you go back into the gym and you learn. You learn what you're having trouble with. You learn what you got beat by. You learn whatever you can do. You ask the questions. You have a trainer that's astute enough to acknowledge the fact that this is where we have to bring you. Your skill level's got to go up here. And if you don't have the ability, 
the heart, the desire, then nah, you fail away. But if you do, then you're going to capitalize on it. You're going to make it happy. You're going to turn it around. You're going to become better. You're going to become polished. You're going to become more refined and experienced. That's what they call it, experience. Yeah. We should. I think you. I think you carried that one a little too far. But anyway, let's right, uh, right, right, right. let's move it right along here, Sal. Um, uh, he says, uh, Jesse says to me, "Hey, Billy, see, what's your thoughts on Derek Webster and uh, Jerron Enos?" Well, uh, Webster is a super middleweight. Uh, he's thirty-four years old uh, as a super middleweight, which. Uh, I know today's age, uh, today's world, uh, age is uh, a number, you know, with our nutritional uh, advances and exercise techniques that we have. I mean, um, you know, older fighters uh, can definitely still be competitive and and fight longer than they used to yesteryear. Uh, But still, he's 34 in a division that isn't as friendly as as heavyweight, let's say. Uh, He's 23 and 1 with 12 knockouts. Now... I happen to to think that the computer ranking systems, for the most part, for the IBO, IBO Boxing has, I think, the best computer ranking system, and then BoxRec, I think for the most part, they're pretty accurate. And the computer ranks uh, Webster at number 56, so I think that tells you where he is in, in, in uh, you know, in the eyes of a, the computer, in the, and that's just in the super middleweight division, which doesn't really have a ton of guys in it, you know? He is a southpaw, and he is tall. He's six foot four. Um, his last win was probably the best win of his career. He beat Frankie Filippone uh, this past weekend. Um, he did fight Arif uh, uh, Magomedov, and Magomedov was probably, you know, between him and Frankie Filippone, the two best opponents, but he lost. I think what you have in uh, Derek Webster is whether he did it or whether somebody got wind of him and 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 turned him pro whatever he's a he's what i would call an opponent but a, not a, a career opponent not a journeyman opponent this is a guy that they're building up for a payday cash out fight at 23 and 1 with 12 knockouts coming off a win winning a secondary title um you know this is a guy that's going to be attractive uh, to a world champion who wants uh, one of these uh, showcase fights. And I think that uh, what we're going to find with Derek Webster is that he's going to get a big high-profile fight at some point uh, and make uh, a very good payday, and then that's the end. That's his goal. I, well, his goal, I think, and he, he's probably been sold a bill of goods that he could be a champion, et cetera, et cetera. But I think at the end of the day, his biggest uh, uh, accomplishment will be challenging for a world title that's my thoughts uh on him as far as uh jaron enos he's an 11 and 0 welterweight uh with nine knockouts this kid is 19 uh i think he's a really good prospect he's a guy to watch and pay attention to his last three opponents uh were all good ones uh eduardo flores uh, uh james winchester and uh, Elvin Perez. And by the way, they all happened this year, Sal. He's already fought three times in 2017. He fought eight times last year when he turned pro in 2016. This is a kid to keep an eye on. Uh, His name is Jerron Enos. I mean, uh, uh, fighting uh, three times already this year, eight times last year, that's huge for uh, uh, fighters of, of this era. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's great. No, it's fantastic. And that's a guy honing in on a skill. You know, at that level, coming up like that, you do have uh, more fights in between. You don't need the the amount of time to recover. You're fighting, you're starting four-rounders, six-rounders, eight-rounders, ten-rounders. And as you elevate yourself up, you know, then then you might be taking breaks in between a little longer. But that's fantastic. I love the, the fact that you have the momentum. And believe me, because that, that's how you work off ring rust. That's how you keep the ring rust from even getting into your your picture, your scheme of things, and your agenda. You keep active. That's it. What do you got over there? What are you hanging some boxing shoes up in there now? You Is saw that? that? Yeah. I found those. Those are the ones I wore in my comeback fight. Jeez, they, they look I like. Saw uh, those. Do you like those? They look like something uh, Puss in Boots would wear. I mean, jeez, you know, it, it, you know, come on. No, they look. Uh, they look like they're velvet or something. They don't. I, 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 I thought they were old school shoes in your fight. I tried to get them. I used to fight. Can I mention the brand? No, no. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Everlast, right? Fight. I used to have, it was called the boxing boot by Adidas. And I still have some of the old ones. Uh, and I love that shoe. I, I love that shoe. It was, it was a boot because it came up to the bottom of your calf. It had the rubber bottom. It fit me perfectly. And uh, when I went online uh, and I talked to all the boxing outlets and everything else, um, nobody had this boot anymore. They stopped making it. And what it evolved to was a less attractive boot. Not physically, but how it felt on my feet. I think I bought probably 15 pairs of boxing shoes to try them on and work with them. And I couldn't find anything that really felt like it would would hug my foot. The sole was wide enough because I got duck feet. I got wide feet. I don't forget about it. And, and, and that boot right there was the one. It was a Nike, which used, usually fits smaller anyway. But uh, uh, it's a larger model, so uh, it fit me fine, and it worked fine, and uh, I felt like I had the legs of a 25-year-old when I went in the ring, and I did. Well, is it that boot? Not really, but it was a good one. I'm ready to give you the boot in a minute here. I, I know, I know. <laughs> where, where, where are we going with this? <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got another email. This one's. Uh, uh, from uh, my man Joel, <laughs> and uh, Joel. Joel Joel says, uh, uh, "Hey Billy C, with the four events on Saturday night uh, being uh, Crawford Diaz, Russell Jr. Escondon, David Benavidez against Porky Medina, and uh, Davis against Walsh, which are you and Sal most looking looking forward to?" Um, now he's got uh, some other questions, but uh, I'll start with you, Sal. Of those fights. Um, which ones uh, do you like uh, the most? I'm going to be looking at the Terrence Crawford fight the most. I, I think that that fight we'll all be able to see the most. Yeah. I I love watching Terrence Crawford. He's one of my favorite fighters, so I, I'll like that fight. But as far as com- competition, the David Benavidez and Porky Medina fight is probably going to be pretty competitive. Um, yes. we You know, it's funny. We didn't get the line on that one, but... Uh, uh, and, and Javonta Davis and Leon Walsh, that fight, I think, is going to surprise people. You know, Davis is a young fighter that really thinks who he is. I mean, uh, he's talking like this kid has been around forever. Uh, he's got more tattoos on him than a tattoo parlor has, you know. <laughs> and um, from what I'm hearing, you know, Floyd Mayweather, who he fights under the Mayweather promotion banner, is uh, is, is taking more of an active role with him 
in terms of game plan. And as a matter of fact, uh, like we were saying yesterday, uh, Javante Davis was mentioning that he doesn't listen to his corner. He only listens to Floyd Mayweather. Now, I think that that in itself is bringing a lot of chaos into this fight. You got a young kid who's never really been there. He's never fought in front of a hostile hostile crowd, which he will be definitely fighting in uh, in the UK. Uh, Leon Walsh is the hometown guy there. Um, so, you know, there's one strike. Number two, if you're not going to be listening to your corner and you're going to be looking to Floyd Mayweather for advice, you know, um, that may not work out for you. Now, if Floyd was training him the whole time, I'd, I wouldn't be saying that. But if Floyd is in there as an advisor and giving him some suggestions and stuff like that, that may confuse a young fighter who just doesn't have the rounds under his belt yet. Um, and, uh, you know, from what I understand, Leon Walsh has been obsessed with with dethroning, so to speak, Javante Davis. And, and a lot of times when fighters have all these people in their ears – Telling them how great they are. Oh, yeah. They're they're believing their own press clippings. Um, they need a rude awakening. I wouldn't be surprised if if that happens uh, this weekend to uh, Javante Davis. Now, don't get me wrong. Javante Davis is an extremely talented young fighter, and I look forward to him as he progresses with his career. Um, it's just that uh, he may be biting off more than he can chew. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, and as far as... Um, uh, the uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 the Russell, oh, the Russell Jr. Escondon fight. You know, uh, Gary Russell Jr. is a, is an exciting fighter, um, but he, you know, when he fought, um, what's his name, uh, uh, the the kid that everybody loves. I, I'm going blank here, and he lost. Um, uh, you know, it showed me that he's not fighting. Uh, these guys that he's fighting, like Escondon and and some of the guys that he fought, um, are, uh, are 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 less than stellar. And uh, when he fights uh, the top top guys, um, he uh, he comes up short, you know. And uh, Escondon is is a showcase fight for him, and and I think the odds, um, you know, show it, you know, uh, hundred to one. So I'm looking Jeez. forward to like you. I want to see Crawford. I always like watching him fight. But as far as comp competitive fights, David Benavidez uh, and Porky Medina and uh, um, the Davis and Walsh fight. And by the way, uh, thanks for uh, Joel uh, sh rattling my old memory. Vasily Lomachenko, of course. I, I mean, everybody loves Lomachenko, you know, and he was a guy to beat uh, Gary Russell Jr. So thanks uh, for saving me there. Um, Joel says, uh, in regards to your topic of the day, uh, yesterday, he says, I still feel that Connor versus Floyd will never happen. It's an absolute joke of a fight. And I agree with you guys that Connor will be an easy 50th win for Floyd if it were to happen. I hope we can put this story to rest because, again, it'll never happen. Um, I hope Joel is right. We've talked about this a lot, Sal. And uh, I hope it doesn't happen as a 50th fight. As a crossover fight and as a competitive uh, interest level and, and exhibition, I'm all for it. What do you think? That's exactly where I stand. I mean, I'm sitting now, but where I stand. <laughs> I was I just going to say, I was just going to say, it doesn't look like you're standing now, but uh, you I beat me to it. a pun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, uh, I'll tell you what. No, I, I think exactly what you said. Uh, if it's a crossover fight and Floyd wants to 
put his foot in the pond with the MMA, go right for it. I think that's fantastic. And you know what? I will root for Floyd. I will root for Floyd. And if it's just an exhibition, I would love to see that. That would be fine as well. If it doesn't count on the record, it's a nice exhibition, uh, that would be entertaining. That would be fine. Um, maybe they could have an exhibition, a showcase exhibition before the Canelo Alvarez and uh, Triple G fight. What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, I would, I would love that because that to have be Floyd have, as, as uh, a prelim, come on. Now, Floyd, know, Floyd would never do it. He would never do it. Hey, listen, let's, yeah. uh, let's take a short little break. Uh, and then uh, when we come back, uh, I got the rest of this email and uh, some other stuff. So uh, don't go nowhere, Sal. Uh, and uh, don't you guys go anywhere because we'll be back uh, in a couple minutes. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, with me now is uh, my man Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, I don't know, Sal, you know, uh, I don't think the fight's going to happen. But uh, they got some suggestions in the chat room. So, uh, And by the way, if you're watching or listening live, uh, don't forget to uh, check out the chat room. Uh, the one that we uh, respond to and monitor is up on BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, but uh, Joel's last uh, comment here was, he says, have you heard about that Chinese heavyweight, uh, Jun Long Zhang? I see he's ranked in the top 30 by the computer, uh, but at 35 years old and fighting below average comp- uh, excuse me, competition, I was curious if you knew anything about him or if this Chinese heavyweight has a future at all. Um I, you know, I saw he's ranked uh, uh, definitely in the top 30. He's ranked at number 28. He is 35 years old. Uh, he's six foot three and a half. He's undefeated, 17 and 0, all coming by knockouts. Uh, he does have wins over some journeymen, tough guys in the heavyweight divisions. George uh, Arias is one of them. Julio Cesar uh, dos Santos is another one who used to fight at a lower weight class. I'll get to that in a second. And uh, Pedro uh, Otas uh, was uh, his last fight. And, and Otas is 30 wins and three losses as a heavyweight, or he's fighting in the heavyweight division now. It's funny, a, a professional uh, fighter who's 30 wins and against only three losses, and I've never heard of Pedro Otas. Um, Julio Cesar Das Santos uh, was uh, fighting in a much lower weight class when he fought... Um, uh, when he fought this guy, uh, Zhang, he was 220 uh, pounds, 220 and a half pounds. So obviously they're moving him along. I think this guy is very similar to what we were saying before. I, I think they're just trying to get him a, a shot. I don't think he's ever going to be uh, anything. Um, you know, I, here's why, Sal. When he turned pro in 2012, 
he weighed 200 pounds for his fight. I mean, just uh, just squeaked in as a heavyweight. You know what he's weighing now? No. He's weighing over 280 pounds. That's what he's weighing now. Wow, so in, in four big. years, he puts on 80 pounds. Uh, and it doesn't look like it's all solid muscle either. I, I don't know, man. You know, the heavyweight division, Sal, what makes it so great is that, you know, knockout's a knockout. And he does have 17. That's pretty impressive right there. Absolutely. Wow. Well, he's got a little weight to put behind that punch, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little weight, but uh, I, I don't know if it's uh, if it's really going to help him or not. But uh, anyway, thanks for all the emails. Uh, we certainly uh, appreciate it. And speaking of heavyweights, uh, there was uh, a fight scheduled um, between Derek Chisora and Robert Halinas. Uh, it was uh, going to be taking place in Finland where Helenus is from. And we all know Derek Chisora isn't exactly the most refined heavyweight, but he, he comes to fight, and he's fun to watch. Um, the fight was rescheduled. Uh, they announced it yesterday, and it was supposed to take place at the end of this month, May 27th, uh, but uh, it's been rescheduled, and um, they haven't uh, given it uh, a date yet uh, or uh, an event. Uh, but they said, uh, and Sauerland Events is, uh, uh, is the uh, uh, promoter, uh, they said that they're going to uh, tell you where the new uh, location and date is, uh, but uh, anybody that's already bought tickets for the uh, scheduled May 27th date, don't worry about it. Your tickets are still going to be good. I'm assuming it's going to be in the same area. Um, I don't know what the reason was, Sal, but when this happens, from my experience uh, working with promoters and promoting fights myself, I think this is an indication that the ticket sales were, were not going so well. What do you think? No, I think exactly what you just said. Uh, you know, you can judge right off the bat, you know, if the sales are not going to be moving. Uh, no promoter wants to wait till the last minute to try and generate sales. Well, you know, uh, the other issue is, you know... Uh, in boxing, the biggest mistake that a lot of promoters, especially first-time promoters make, not that Sauerland Events is a first-time promoter by any stretch of the imagination, is you can never, I know this doesn't sound hard to, to, to believe or even accept, but as a promoter, you can't use ticket sales as your source of revenue to pay your fighters' purses and all the other expenses that surround uh, your event. Um, the ticket sale end uh, most of the time is the profit. You need to secure sponsorships and other forms of revenue uh, prior to ticket. If you're relying on ticket sales to pay the bills for the expense of the fight, you're never going to make out and you're never going to, uh, um, you know, uh, you're going to be behind the eight ball. I'm not saying that, and, and Sauerland Events is an established promotional team. Um, you know, they don't need ticket sales to pay the bills. But uh, that's certainly what's screaming at me for this fight. Uh, but uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, who knows? Maybe one of them went off the deep end because uh, you never know. Chisora sometimes, if he's not into a fight, he doesn't train. So maybe they realize that he wasn't prepared to fight. I don't know. But speaking of heavyweights again, Dillian White, a heavyweight that we talk about a lot on this show, um, was uh, scheduled to fight uh, Moritz Wach. Now, if you recall, Wach did challenge for a world heavyweight title and then tested positive for steroids, and he was banned for a while, did his time, and he's coming back. 
Uh, they were scheduled to fight in London on June 3rd. But uh, apparently, Dillian White has injured himself, Sal. A foot injury uh, okay. has uh, put off the fight. Uh, and uh, they will uh, most likely be fighting uh, uh, in July. Uh, so they will uh, uh, announce the new date soon. And again, um, this fight, uh, the promoter uh, of this fight is uh, uh, Eddie Hearn. And he said that uh, we are definitely having this fight. And uh, we're hoping that uh, uh, the fight will take place sometime in July and that, that this fight, the winner of this fight, should get a world uh, heavyweight title shot. And he said, don't worry about it. Um, you know, uh, anybody that's uh, purchased uh, tickets for this particular fight that was uh, canceled due to an injury to Dillian White, he says, uh, unlike uh, Sauerland, who said that those tickets can be used for the fight, in this case, he says, uh, go get your money back. So I don't know what that's telling me, man. Uh, a lot of injuries in this sport uh, in the last couple of years, Sal. A lot. Absolutely. I know. It happens. It just seems like there's too many sometimes, you know. I mean, uh, oh, I don't know what it is. A foot injury. I mean, uh, what was he playing, basketball? I think he tried to cross a train with soccer. Uh, what get, what makes you think that, Sal? <laughs> it's a foot injury. Oh, I could've see. Happened. He could have dropped. He could have been bowling. He could have yeah. dropped the bowling ball on it. You could've, know. You know. I'm gonna tell you something. It's so funny because my trainer, like I said, I I came from literally the old school, the old school. All right. In high school, I was big in sports. Loved football. Loved wrestling. Did very well in wrestling. And boxing, of course. Uh, did some pole vaulting, played some baseball, loved it all, loved it. And uh, but my trainer, uh, great guy, um, gave me a lot of confidence in those early years in my developmental stage. And uh, he said to me, Sal, you got to realize these other sports, as much as you like them, you got to remember if you're going to be a fighter, you've got to just worry about being a fighter and uh, the crossover sports are great for training and everything else but you can get injured and you've got to look at yourself as a shell and you got to be a protective shell as far as what you do and how you do it and that never left me and uh, you know you still get injuries sure you still twist an ankle you still do things here and everything else but you got to take precaution and you got to be careful in certain things you do because you have to be that commodity that steps in a ring, that's dependable, that uh, you sign a contract, you sign a date, and you count from that date backwards for your training regimen. You got to, you know, watch, you know, you, you got to watch your moves. You got to be careful what you do. Yeah, boxing's, it's just like a shell game, man. It's a shell game. Where, where, where you know, I was going there. My mind went there when I said, like, the shell. I pictured that on a table. I was playing a shell game. Well, listen, it's time for our trivia question. Now, the one that um, we couldn't uh, get a right answer for, um, I'm not going to give you the answer. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Sal? You think I should give him one more hint, or should I move on? Because I do have another question. I'm all about hints, man. I'm telling you. Uh, maybe, maybe the era when was it zero was it contemporary was it in the 70s the 80s was it 1840 what, what, what was it sorry so is that what you think you think i should uh give him one more hint is Maybe that what we're voting decade how about the decade no i can't give him just the decade but i can all right i'll give him another hint 
I'll give you another hint. So, so here, here, okay. Sal, Sal saved you one more day, Kevin. But um, uh, okay. So the question is, which former world champion lost the most title fights? Which former world champion lost the most title fights? And I've already given you some hints. Um, I said that he fought two of these opponents twice each. So four of the. Now you already know that there's four fights against two guys. The other opponent I said, uh, the other hint I gave you was of all of these uh, uh, championship fights that he lost, that he lost, um, he was stopped four times. Wow. I'll give you, uh, I'll tell you what, I will give you a range of the era in which the fights took place. All of these fights that uh, the title fights took place I'll give you a range. So I'm not saying wow. that the fighter didn't go beyond the range, and I'm not right. saying he was below the range. I'm just going to give you the range at which um, the fighter uh, fought, okay? Um, he fought. These title fights that he lost um, went from 1990 to 2010. Wow. So this guy... For the, in these fights from 1990 <laughs> to 2010, uh, this collection of, of fights he lost. So here's the question again. Which world champion lost the most fights? The hints are he fought two of his opponents twice, obviously losing to both. And of all the fights that he lost for the title, he was stopped four times. And he fought all of these championship fights between 1990 and 2010. Sal, you have any uh, ideas on uh, who this person is now? Um, I, I was going to say Jack Dempsey, but I can't do that. You now. Can't do that now. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, it's got to be a great. Uh, it's got to be a damn good, durable fighter for twenty years losing. Well, um, it's, yeah, he's <laughs> twenty yeah, years of losing. You know uh, what? What you could say he's a professional loser. No, that's not true. That's not true. Don't no. be talking smack about this guy. I mean, uh, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, this guy's got to be a, a superstar. He's got to be up there. He's got to be elevated, top echelon, because you're just mentioning some of the defeats happened in that time. But those title fights, actually, actually, those defenses or title fights are uh, have happened in that twenty year period of span. So that's a that's an accomplishment right there. So I'm I'm trying to think what fighter. I mean, it's got to be Jones or uh, I I don't I don't know. Let's uh, that's a good one. I'm gonna give it some thought, but I'm gonna come up with the answer tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna Google the hell out of my yeah. computer. <laughs> well, listen, if you know the answer and you're the first one to email me. The correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same game that Alex Papali uses for our Blast from the Past to do the simulations. Now, speaking of our Blast from the Past, we were scheduled to have it today, but Alex was uh, a little under the weather, so we're going to do Nicolino Loche next week. Uh, when we do our blast from the past, so uh, which former world champion lost the most title fights? Uh, the hints are he fought two of his opponents two times each, so there's four fights. And of all of these fights, he was only stopped four times. Uh, and then the hint I've given you today: 
he fought uh, these title fights between 1990 and 2010. If you know the answer and you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win the prize. Now, don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have the author of a uh, new book on Max Bear and Barney Ross, Jeffrey Sussman, uh, will be joining us. And uh, we'll be telling us about his book. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to read it, but he'll tell us all about it. And uh, we'll be doing that. Uh, obviously, we'll have Sal. We'll have all the latest boxing news. Uh, we may even open up the phone lines a little bit. And then Friday, we'll give our breakdowns and predictions for the fights uh, that are scheduled for this weekend. And uh, Dax Khan will give you uh, his as well. So we got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, but uh, I just want to leave you guys with this. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.